Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So I added someone on Facebook recently mm. who I'm not really that close to, but they had something on their Facebook page that I needed for a project I'm working on. Yep. And since then... They've been sharing stuff like anti-Muslim stuff and kind of racist stuff on oh. Facebook. But I've got the thing I want now. Can I delete them? <laughs> How long since you added them? It's been a few weeks. Okay, so it's not like a day turnaround or something. No. <laughs> Will you ever need something from them again? Well, maybe. Oh, so that's the issue. I don't think so, but I didn't think so last time either. So. Yeah, you could just hide their posts so you don't see them. But then also do you want to be friends with someone who's... Not really. Like that? No. And then if you hire them, sometimes you lose them. And then like in a couple of years, you're like looking back, you're like, oh, I'm still friends with them. So either you do the culling now or you do it in a few years' time. Mm. So I've got what I wanted. Is that enough? I think so. Okay. See ya. (laughs) It's that time again. (laughs) I only like you podcast where my girlfriend and I talk about how shit everybody else is. Well. And how good movies are. Yeah. Yeah. You try to, to disagree, but it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty much, much what case. we do. <laughs> pretty much the case. This week, we've watched Paper Towns on DVD. Yeah. So it's a couple of years old now, but it's still a good movie. We're a bit bit behind the, uh, what's the phrase? Behind? Oh, no. Behind the ball? Behind the eight ball? I'm not sure that applies to this context, though. Okay. Um, we're a bit behind on this one, but we're doing our best to catch up on movies we've missed. And Sinead has a crush on John Green, so. I do. Before that, though. Sinead's oh. <sighs> had a week. She's had a week, all right. I think I've been, like, my level of annoyance at everyone else in the world is generally about, like, 75%, let's say. Okay. I'm generally 75% annoyed at everyone else. Yes. This week, it's gone up to like 95. Wow. It's been a big week. Does doing this podcast help or hinder? Um, I think level? it enables a little bit. <laughs> Are you constantly thinking of things to get annoyed by so you can come and do this? No, I think just when normal things happen that annoy me, I'm like, aha, that's something mm. I can work through and vent on the podcast. Okay, sure. Yeah. Okay, what's been the extra 20% this week? Right. So, I've had two experiences at fast food places or places where you put an order in and you either get a number that gets called when your order is ready for collection or they call your name. And here's what gets me, everyone. People who don't listen when their name or number is called so that their meal is ready for collection. You have one job. You have put your order in. You have one job. Your only job is to listen for your number. They often give you a receipt with your number on it. Have your receipt in front of you. 259. Here, 259. Go get your meal for number 259. See, this is how society crumbles <laughs> when people don't listen to their numbers. No, but when I'm listening for out for my number, that's all I think about. I know. 
in that few minutes while you're waiting for your order to be ready. Right. I look at my number about 10 times waiting, just checking. Yeah, just checking it's right, the right it, is, it is 12, yes. Yes. <laughs> it is still 12. So I went to Guzman the other day. Guzman Y Gomez is our favourite place to eat. Lonnie and I are favorite their place. number one fans. Sorry, yeah, favourite place in the whole world. Albert Street is our favourite. It's our safe haven. It's our, also our um, rendezvous point if we get separated from the city at any point. so Or if there's going to be like some sort of natural emergency sort of thing. Yeah, we'd go there. There's an earthquake or zombie apocalypse. Mm. That's where we'll meet if we're separated. Well, because your last meal would want to be Guzman then, you know. I think they'd be prepared too. You reckon? I reckon they'd have some sort of plan in place. Mm. I was there the other day and it was a very noisy environment. One of the guys next to me, I knew he was number like whatever number he was, 328 or whatever, and they're doing good business. Aren't they? Yeah, I don't know how they get up to such high numbers. I think they must just do the whole day or something and Maybe. not reset. But mm. anyway, good on them. he was chatting with his mate the whole time, the whole time, right? Not paying any attention to the girl who was trying very hard to be heard over all the noise. And she had all the burritos and the nachos and everything in front of her and trying to call out the numbers. And it was like, 328, 328. No move from the guy, just deep in conversation. Have your conversation another time, mate. You've got a job right now. And then 10 minutes later, he hears 328. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, that's me. And just wanders up and gets his food. It's probably cold by now. Oh, I don't know why it annoys me so much. It just really angers me. And then the other day, I got food from a place where they ask for your name and then they call your name when your coffee's ready or whatever. And they're like, Georgia, um, small, flat, white. I can see Georgia. Georgia's buddy over there with the red hair on her phone, isn't she? Not paying any attention. It makes me want to become, like, the second name caller, like, Georgia, your coffee's ready, and, like, take it over to her because I'm so annoyed that they're not paying attention. Why <laughs> is it so hard? Especially when they say your name. Like, when someone says your name, it, like, clicks for you, right? And I don't even use my real name. My name's very difficult for people to say, apparently. So I use a fake name when I'm ordering, and I can even pay enough attention to my fake name to make sure that I get there in time. You people have no excuse. <laughs> I tell you a story. I do the same thing because um, my real name's Lawrence, and that's real. Oh, sorry. My name's Lonnie, but that's really hard to get across to people because Lonnie, Johnny, Ronnie, I get that sort of shit all the time. So I, sometimes I go by my my real name, Lawrence. And I did that once at a place, and then they asked for my name. I said Lawrence, and they were like, Morris. <laughs> thing from a Morris. I like that they questioned it because Morris is definitely a 60-year-old man with glasses and he's slightly balding, isn't is, he? Is Morris even a first name? Do people get called Morris these well, days? It's like Maurice, isn't it? Isn't I'd, that I'd rather Maurice than Morris. <laughs> so since then I, I go with Jack, which is my brother's name. So yeah. no one gets Jack mixed up with Mac or <laughs> Zach or anything like that. Or Joris. <laughs> um. So I think there's a scale, right, of acceptability when you don't immediately recognize your order, right? Mm-hmm. So if you've got a number, mm-hmm. you shouldn't you should check your number. That's totally fine, right? If they say your name, I think again I agree with you that you should know your name, right? But if you've got a common name, maybe like a Georgia or but a John, but then you look around and you're like, oh, no one else is going for the Georgia. It must be me, Georgia. I guess, I, I guess so, and but. But when you walk out and about, though, do you really expect people to yell your name out? I guess in that context, you should, though, shouldn't you? You're waiting for them to call your name. I suppose so. D- they don't get there and okay. they're like, what is this concept? Maybe those two are at a pretty similar level, right? <laughs> However, when they just call your order out, right, 
I think that's a bit of confusion is, that is, is okay. That is. I would agree with that. So Maccas recently have done the number thing, but they never used to. They mm-hmm. used to do just the meal, like small cheeseburger meal, large Big Mac meal, whatever. And then you'd all be like, oh, I ordered that, but oh, I ordered sort of that. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, whose yeah. is it? And then it's yeah. like a big, you have to run through everything in the order. And oh, we've, thing. Been, we've been caught before when someone's taken our order. Oh, my God. they've had a similar thing. Yes. Do you remember that time we were at the Italian place? And our numbers got mixed up and the, our um, garlic bread went to the wrong table. And the guy was just like, he said to his kid, don't say anything. It's free food. <laughs> you remember that? When was that? So we're at Stafford. Oh, yeah, that's right. He still had garlic bread. <laughs> and we could see this happening, but we couldn't say anything. We couldn't, like, <laughs> take the do? food off for his kid, could what we? What do you do when another table has, like, stolen your food and they're mid-eating it? He should have just said, shouldn't he, the, the guy? He, he was being dishonest. Or was he just playing by the rules that, you know, playing the cards that were dealt to him? Yeah, you know, he took advantage of what happened, I guess. My sister also uses a fake name because she has a difficult name to say. So we go by Jane. I go by Jane and she goes by Sally. And we're very attuned to that name being called. Maybe more so because it's not our real name. Because you, you're like being a spy. You're like going by a really like If I ever run into one of these people from like Boost Juice or something... They're like, oh, hi, Jane. And I'll be like, who are you? I'm not Jane. What are you talking about? It's part of the reason why I haven't got a Boost Juice card. Me too, because you have to sign up. You have to connect to your email and everything. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. They can't say my name properly. I don't know what it is. So I was was at a a food court not too long ago, and you went there. So I can tell the story, and it's fine. You could tell the story anyway. Yeah, but like you'll enjoy it more. Okay. It was a similar sort of thing that you've been going through this week. Right. Where I was sitting in front of the place and the people, that their order was being called out, mm-hmm. but it wasn't their name or number or anything. And so the guy was like, I think it was like a hamburger or something like that. And he kept calling it and they were just far away enough and in deep conversation where they couldn't um, understand him. And I was close enough that I could see him and we, oh. we, we like locked eyes oh. while he was trying to get the attention of the other people. Like after like the fifth time, he should have just come out of his little shop and given it to them, right? I was stuck in the middle of them because, like, I wasn't close enough where I could, like, oh, hey, you. Could, but that's not my job anyway, is it? I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> You're I'm, not the middleman for the burger joint. I'm really not. <laughs> Eventually, he got their attention. And I was so relieved. It's so stressful, isn't it, is. it? You're like, I know it's your order. So, a, why was he standing so far away? And mm. b, why was he in a conversation? It's like you choose that moment when you after you order something to talk about like foreign policy or something really important like why what is so important that you can't wait until your order has been called i think the problem is some people when they go out and have food and whatever they do it with their friends we do it by ourselves or with, or each, with other, each other and we're very attuned to these sort of things that's very true other people are more, more, more excited about friends and stuff what's that like must be fun <laughs> You know, Facebook asked me this week if I like having fun. It was one of the topics that I can request ads about. What do you say? <laughs> I didn't answer it. <laughs> See, the fact they have to ask you probably means they've answered their own question, right? Yeah, probably. But what your fun is not someone else's fun. and you know. That's very true. Also about the intense conversations when you're waiting for your order, mm-hmm. what cannot be sold via conversation over hot chips? I would argue that your conversation will be better, more important, and more valuable if you have that conversation over sharing hot chips than just waiting in line for your order to come. 
Fair enough. I thought you were going to say that we needed hot chips and like politics and stuff. Everyone needs hot chips. Hot chips is like the best food in the world. Why are we like limiting it to certain people? <laughs> in summary, can everyone just be better at paying attention when their order or name or number is called? Because you have one job. You signed up for this job when you placed your order. You knew it was coming back. It's not just like a I order and then somehow they just know who you are. You knew this was happening. You need to be prepared for it, guys. You know, some people around the world don't even have places to order at. And so we shouldn't just throw away our <laughs> system of ordering. I don't think. <laughs> no, I agree, Sine. It's stupid. Just have some courtesy. It makes me hate everyone more when they do stuff like this. If this gets you to 95%, what tips you over to 100? Hmm. That's a good question, actually. Um, we like murder. You got murdered? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're getting murdered. I'm just so angry about this. No, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe in the future we'll have a podcast where you something's got to me over. to 100. Mm. But I was very close this week. I want that, okay. that noted very, for the records. Very close. I was close. <laughs> Especially when George's latte was sitting at the front of the counter getting cold while all these other coffees and hot chocolates were getting served. On a related note to ordering coffee and stuff, you don't really get to my goat. Mm. People who get to class or to work late, but they have a coffee in their hand. So you had time to get to the coffee place, but you didn't have time to get to work on time. I know. It's not a, it's not a good look, is it? If you're running late, don't have a coffee. But if you're running late to get the coffee, scull your coffee. Scull your coffee and get third degree burns in your esophagus because it's a bad look otherwise. I just don't understand it. If, if I was like a university lecturer or a boss mm -hmm. at a work and yeah. someone walked in late holding a coffee, I would take it off them and throw it away. Would you throw it on them? Just teach them a lesson? Like over the top of their head? Yeah. I thought yeah. you were going to say, like, pour it on them, pour the coffee over their face or something. Yeah, that's what I meant. Pour the coffee over their head. No. <laughs> I thought you meant, like, they're endlessly throw it over their head, like, behind them. Oh. That would make more sense yeah. than okay. burning them. <laughs> You know what I'd do? I'd take open their sandwich or whatever and take each individual piece of lettuce and just chuck it at them. Just like individually peg it at their face until they understood that this was not appropriate. And you wouldn't last very long as a boss, would you? <laughs> I'd probably have some complaints. <laughs> Alrighty then, before we get too upset, let's talk about Paper Towns, the movie of the book by John Green, your celebrity crush. My... He's not a crush. He's like an idol. Like He's the sort of guy you would invite for dinner in those dinner party yeah, but I fantasy could, things. Yeah, true. But I could never meet him in real life because mm. I just I wouldn't know what to do or say and I'd lose like all function and control of my speech and I would just totally freak out and like cease to function. So the way you feel about John Green is how I feel about Corey Oates. <sighs> yes, Lonnie. I suppose that's the same. Pretty similar guys. Um, Would we say that? Both pretty amazing. Uh, yep. So I had read the book at Sine's behest. Yes. I, I made Lonnie read the book because I have read all of John Green's books so far and I love them. However, Paper Towns was not my favourite, but I needed Lonnie to read it because there's a funny joke in it. So I read the whole book for one joke. <laughs> That's in like the first 30 pages. <laughs> and it was okay. I didn't mind the book, but mm -hmm. it wasn't the best thing I've read. I actually enjoyed the Fault in Our Stars book better. 
but I didn't like the movie much. Mm-hmm. And this way, it was the other way around. I thought the book was a bit long in some bits. Yeah. And, but I think the movie really um, cut all the boring bits out. So we read the book before the movie came out a couple of years ago, but we didn't really have a huge desire to see it because we didn't love the book. And also all we could see was Cara Delevingne's eyebrows and we couldn't see anything else in the trailer <laughs> and it was just very distracting. And we didn't make like a conscious effort to go see it. And I'm really regretting that now because we, all quite enjoyed it, we loved we? it. Yeah. yeah, we thought it was amazing. Um, what's it about, Sinead? It's about a boy named Quentin. And they're like in their final year of high school and his next door neighbor, Margot, who he's had a crush on since he was like, I don't know, four or something or whatever. Um, she kind of climbs through his window one night and asks him to come on an adventure with her. And then the next day she disappears and it's about him and his friends trying to find her and figure out what happened. And um, So he's... Still a sort of like puppy love crush on her mm. and she's the cool it girl of the whole school. Everyone loves her sort of thing. Yeah. But she's quite mysterious and a bit aloof. Mm. Um, and, yeah, and she becomes a mystery and he has to go try and solve her basically. Mm. Um, bits of the book I didn't really like. There are long passages when he's just like describing Walt Whitman poems and stuff like that and it takes a long time to get from A to B. Sort of thing. Yeah. In the movie, those sort of things um, were cut out. Some of the boring bits, yeah. I thought. It's difficult when you have a movie that was based on a book because you can't see it as just a singular thing. Yeah. It it, it is related to the novel and yeah, for sure. you know builds on that and kind of thing. So it's hard yeah. to separate them. Um, the story concept is quite similar to John Green's other books which generally follow a nerdy or outcast teenage boy um, in love with a girl kind of way out of his league who he pins all his hopes and dreams on that she's going to save him or pull him from this situation that he's found himself in and quite often that doesn't happen in the end and expectations are kind of undercut and it's... And oftentimes he finds out that the girl is just a person as well. Yeah, Yeah, and it's not... She's not this goddess that he builds mm. her up to be and it's actually i think that's a really mature concept for young adult books because mm-hmm. it's about expectations and when you're a teenager you have all these i don't know everything feels very big and heavy and momentous and it's not actually a big deal in mm. the long run and but you have to experience that to find that out yes you, exactly so. and it's i really like the fact that john green said he doesn't write ya books he writes books and then publishers decide they're young adult books mm. So the themes in them are very universal about friendship and acceptance and relationships and stuff, and I'm really interested in reading and watching things about relationships. And um, I thought this movie was a very faithful adaptation of the book. Yeah, to the spirit at least, if not maybe plot point sort of thing. Yeah. Um, And the big thing I got out of the movie, which I, I, I guess was in the book as well, was that the story isn't about finding the girl. It's about finding that his friends are actually... Cool. He's going to miss his friends more. He's going to miss this girl who, frankly, has been quite, you know, dismissive and mean to him over the she's years. She's very selfish, but that's the point. Margot is selfish and self-absorbed and she's not this special it girl. Everyone's in love with the idea of Margot, not yeah. the actual person, and that's, yep. that's kind of the point. And you're right, it is about, like, at the beginning, he just wants to get out of school. He can't wait to leave everything. And then at the end, he's going to miss everything in school mm. and it's... 
Um, he finds a new appreciation of his friends. and Yeah. I think some of the characters in the movie were less developed than they were in the book, especially Radar's character. In yeah. the book he's really made out to be this um, highly intelligent guy who writes for a Wikipedia-type website. He lost a bit of his depth in the movie and a bit of his context surrounding his character. He wasn't as well-developed. Yeah. And I find I found that disappointing because John Green is very good at writing substantial supporting characters. They're never just there to just be there to serve the main character. They have their own stories and their own problems. And I felt in the movie version it was very much about Quentin and they were there to serve him and his goal. Mm. But you've only got like... 100 minutes in a movie to do exactly, that, so that's yeah. what happens. No. I'd hear more of a character arc, I thought, in the movie, though, Radar, even though he had less, like, content Yeah, about I see him. what you mean about that with his, his girlfriend. his girlfriend and stuff, yep. yeah. People keep trying to tell me that Kara is attractive, right? <laughs> and she's certainly not an ugly person, and I'm, she's a pretty good actor, and I'm sure in real life she's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think she suited the Margot character at all. Really? Not at all. I she was perfect as Margot. That's exactly who I imagined Margot to be. Why, no, what no. did you think she was then? Um, Someone that boys would like. Bonnie! I'm just, I don't think the character was very attractive or anything. I had mm-hmm. no idea why he was interested in her. Okay. Do you think that maybe it was a bit of the point though? That she was just a real person but he was seeing her as something else? No, but she's supposed to be an attractive popular girl. She did not look like an attractive, popular girl. Okay, yeah. Yep. The girl who played Lacey should have played Margot. She was really good, actually, as Lacey. Kara's accent was great. It never faltered. Yeah, that's good. I was just trying to, like, find a positive because you oh, seemed to really no, not just, like her. I liked her performance. I just didn't think she, she was... I thought she was miscast as oh, the character. Okay. didn't huh. think she suited her at all. Okay. Yeah, I thought she was really good because she had that rebellious side that Margot has. She's... Got a very interesting face to look at, so there was a bit of the intrigue there. I She was, like, exactly who I imagined when I was reading about Margot, but that's interesting that you didn't feel that. I didn't see any chemistry with her and um, the boy either, but yeah. no, it's kind of the point as well. But yeah. even then, didn't really see it. Nat Wolf was great. He played um, Isaac in The Fault in Our Stars, mm-hmm. and he was also in Palo Alto, which was our last movie we reviewed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he's really great. I really liked yeah. him. Um, it was a good innocent sort of movie, wasn't it? Mm. So we've been watching a few teen movies recently for the project I'm working on, and one thing I'm noticing is that people want to focus on the troubled teen a lot yeah. because, I don't know, a teenager who does drugs and has sex and stuff like that is obviously more interesting than any other teenager. Mm-hmm. This movie was, wasn't about that, was it? It was about no. the cool... Well, the, it was about the nerdy teenagers. Yeah. And, and in, my, in my view, they're just as cool as other teenagers. I think that's part of... Partly, I think that's a credit to John Green and his writing. He writes about the nerdy kids and he doesn't yeah. write about the cool kids because a lot of it's self-reflective writing. So pretty clear from my viewpoint that a lot of John Green is in these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not a bad thing. In some ways it makes it more truthful because people, kids who are reading books like this aren't generally the cool kids that are out doing drugs. They're the Kid, ones who feel outcast. And Teenagers who read books aren't generally the ones yeah, it's true. at the parties. And, it's true. You know, so yeah. it was nice to see. I like movies that are done from the other perspective because you feel mm. a sense of connection. I wasn't a cool kid in school. I got bullied a lot by the popular kids. You had lots of different friends in different groups. You were one of those kids that were friends with everyone. I was pretty cool, though. Were you? Yeah. <laughs> 
So it's interesting to see it from the other perspective and to like identify with these characters and mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I felt like that when I was a teenager too. And, you know. I've read things about John Green saying he was like the savior for young adult fiction against the um sort of um sci-fi mythological harry potter yeah game sort of thing yeah and like he's obviously not the only author who does that sort no. of stuff but he has sort of made that popular hasn't he he has very realistic writing as well and and yeah but i like his point that he just writes books and they happen to be on the young adult shelf that doesn't really mean no. that they're um like representing anything or being anything more than they are which is just a book you know so i feel like there's a real sense in the community the wider community where if you see someone reading a children's book or a young adult book you kind of think they're less intelligent or you look down on them Mm. a little bit because they're not reading i don't know game of thrones or something really dense or hemingway or whatever yeah but i love ya books because i think that they're really relatable and instantly easy to pick up and Mm -hmm. understand and you get the concept and everything which since i've read john green i've read many more YA books than I have adult books. Yeah. Again, that's just a category that publishers have put them in. That's mm. not necessarily due to the, the content. It oh. seems that if the main character is a young adult, then it becomes a young adult book. That seems to be the, the qualification. Yeah. Well, teenagers and young adults are still people. Exactly. And so their, their stories and their books and whatever are still about people and they should be treated that way. And that's kind of what my project is about is about they should treat these characters in movies mm. who are teenagers as just characters, not don't have to be the treble teen or the, I don't know, in some way a not a real character because they're a kid, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that was what John Green was saying. They're just people. They're just mm. people that need to be. And just because written. they're a kid they're going and they're going through emotions and stuff doesn't mm. mean they don't love each other and don't still feel those emotions. Do you find a lot with the older generation, they're like, oh, they're just kids, they'll grow out of it, it's just oh. hormones, that kind of thing? Well, they might grow out of it, but they have to grow out of it. They actually yeah, have to go point. through it to grow out of it. Yeah. So don't think, treat them like that, you know. I think sometimes the older generation look at that and look down on it and forget that they were once those people. Yeah, 100%. And yeah. put everything down to, like, hormones or puberty or they're just having mm. all these emotions, these sexual urges or something, you know. But that just invalidates them as a person. Mm. Even if they're feelings are due to hormones they're still feelings they still have a right to go through this well, stuff plenty of older people do stupid stuff and yeah. <laughs> go yeah. through different hormonal urges and stuff and you know yeah they're okay because they're old weird back to the movie though i thought um a lot of the stuff that i really liked was the first um night that they spend together doing the nine revenge things and something that's important in that is that the last one is Quentin's to do. Margot gives Quentin the last one to do for him. And I think they break into SeaWorld yeah. as a, like a callback to earlier when they used to do it when they were kids or whatever. That wasn't in the movie. And I thought that was a really important point of the book. Yeah, they cut that because of the whole um, controversy about SeaWorld, you know, oh, that documentary okay. yeah, yeah. about the keeping the whales and stuff. So yeah. that was part of why they cut that apparently. I understand that. But it was a whole – I thought it was very important to the plot because – the whole point was that Margot gave Quentin the permission to be himself and she gives him little pep talks throughout and being like, you know, you don't have to be so awkward and self-conscious. You're cool the way you are sort of thing and don't give a crap what people think about you and that kind of stuff. And that was a really important first moment of Quentin realising that he could too be as cool as he mm. thought Margot was. Did you ever have conversations when you were a teenager you were just telling each other how cool you are? No. I reckon that's a bit of a John yep. Green thing. <laughs> That's okay. 
Um, I read a review about this in preparation and said that um, it's maybe not quite as deep as it thinks it is, the movie. Mm. And I think that might be true, but, like, I think some of that is that the kids and Margot especially are trying to be adults and trying mm. to be deep and but whatever. I think that's the so, point. Yeah. You're like that when you're a teenager, though. You think you're so much older than you are and you mm-hmm. think you're – you think you've got so much more of a handle on things than you really do. And, you know, when you don't, it's a bit of, when you find out that you don't, it's a bit of a slap in the mm. face. So I thought that was really truthful with this, mm. you know. Margot was acting like a 23-year-old, you know, and she was just 17 and she had no concept of what she was doing and she was being so reckless but she just, she couldn't, I don't know, that's who she was. She felt like an adult and she wanted to behave like one. If she was real, though, if she was your friend, you'd slap her, wouldn't you? <laughs> I don't know that I'd slap her. You'd slap her. <laughs> no. What I mean, she'd be pretty annoying if she was a real person. Yeah. Oh, I don't think Margot's supposed to be a nice person. She's not supposed to be a nice character. I wasn't saying that. I'm just saying she's annoying. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm saying that I think that's the point, though, is that Quentin builds her up to be this perfect thing, and she's not perfect. She's mean to her best friend. Lacey goes on this whole journey to find her. She wouldn't have done that for Lacey. She wouldn't have done that for Quentin. True. The best part of the film was the best part of the book as well, though, which was the road trip, Mm. and it was really well done on screen. It was exactly how I pictured it when I was reading. That's good. Did you think it was really fun? It was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was really great, really truthful, and I don't know. They did some cool things with editing that I liked as well, technically, so... Um, it's actually become one of my favourite movies now, which is interesting because I really didn't like the book very much. It was one mm. of my least favourite John Green books, so it's um, definitely gone up on the on the rating system. I liked Fault in Our Stars because it was from um, Hazel's perspective. Yeah. It was a bit different than the average book about teenage love, that sort of thing. Mm. So, which mm. is interesting because that's the criticism that John Green yeah. got with a lot of his earlier work is that he only wrote from a nerdy teenage boy point of view. Yeah. So that's why he chose to write, write from mm. Hazel's perspective. Good. Yeah. So what would you give it out of Sam's? Oh, it's a good three-star movie for me. Really? I thought it would be much higher. Three and a half? No, don't make it <laughs> higher. I'm just surprised. I thought you liked it more well, than I still that. people should go see it. And it was mm. better than the book. Cause I'm not going to go watch it every night, though, or things like that. I'm not going to sing off the top of the house to, to the streets about it. As you do so often. You don't know what Sam and I do <laughs> when you're asleep? I think I'd give it four stars. I really enjoyed it. And it's going to be a go-to movie for me, go-to chick flick. So. Why not five stars? Um, That's a good question. Maybe because something wasn't quite there for me. Still wasn't quite there. No. Yeah, fair per- enough. Performances maybe. Yep. Cara annoyed me a little bit. See? Yeah, but she was meant to. Mm, but still, but still, did. yeah. <laughs> but no, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Okay, cool. Alrighty then, another good podcast down. So we've had so many emails in from people. We've had everybody telling their friends about it. So if you want to be a cool kid, you should tell your friends about it too. And then they should tell their friends, and then we should get money somehow. Yeah, I don't know how the money bit works, but um, tell your friends if you Just like it. Just send us money if you've got money. <laughs> That's fine, too. <laughs> and we haven't mentioned Ben or podcast. I think it's, I don't think we need to mention Ben every podcast. Why not? Because then the mystery of Ben isn't a mystery anymore. I like the idea that people who have no idea who Ben is just hear about him 
Well, that's good. We haven't mentioned him, so that's fine. Good. I'm glad we haven't mentioned him. (laughs) Bye. Bye. You know who loves hot chips? Who? Clive Palmer. (laughs) You probably can't see. Is he going to sue me, is he? (laughs) Come on, sue me. We're not including this. We're not including this. We're not including this. We're not including this. (laughs) Yeah, but we can't put it in. You're going to sue me. We're not putting it in. Why? Because I said so. He loves hot chips. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.